Hello, everybody. Good morning. Welcome into the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank. What a time to be alive. We had four Major League Baseball playoff games yesterday. We had a Stanley Cup champion crown Monday night. We have eight MLB playoff games today. We have the NBA Finals beginning tonight. We have high school football locally getting underway later this week. We've got the Cajuns, the Tigers, the Saints right now in the thick of football season. So, yeah, we got a lot to dig into. Got some great guests lined up for you this morning. Uh, Nick Underhill going to join me. Uh, a little bit later, I would say probably uh, around 7.45 or so, Gerald Broussard will join me in the 8 o'clock hour and kicking off the show with me today from Seth Lewis Incorporated, my friend. From KTC TV 3, it is Seth Lewis. Good morning, Seth. Thanks for joining me on a Wednesday morning. What's going on, dude? Good morning, Scott. Always good to join you, man. Uh, busy time in sports. Someone was like, why aren't you talking yeah. more Major League Baseball playoffs? I'm like, well, you know, why... Because there's a hundred things going on. <laughs> there's there's a whole lot of stuff going on, and on top of all that, trying to you know follow the latest in regards to COVID and its impact on everything else happening in sports. So it is a, it is it is a busy time. But just want to start out right out the gate. We'll spend much time on it, Seth. But with um, you know with with high school getting underway this week, I mean there was there was a time I guess when we were chatting over the summer where you were much more um uh hesitant yeah yeah right sure. right and, yeah, and, and so here we are now we got a season man so uh how, how do you how do you feel about high school football getting through this year and uh and and you know who, who's a team you're expecting to compete for a state title well i think high school football is like with so many other things you just kind of got to take it as it comes right like you know, I, I don't know what to expect as far as, you know, week to week, um, you know, what happens with a positive case. Uh, maybe the season is clean. Like, you just don't know. Like, there's just, I think 2020, <laughs> nothing else. It teaches you to um, be, uh, expect the unexpected. That's that's kind of been my thing for this year is expect the unexpected. But um, when it comes to teams that will compete, I think it's going to be a lot of the names uh, that you typically hear and the teams that, like, won last year. Like, I think Acadiana is going to be really good again. I think STM um, has a chance to do something really special um, again this year. You know, you talk about Lafayette Christian, and I think they have a lot of pieces. You know, you talk about Sage Ryan, and he's one of the best players in the nation, according to 24-7 Sports. He's the number one safety in the nation. And then in that division, in Division Three, you can't forget about Notre Dame. Like, they'll have something to say about that. But, you know, outside of, of those, like, champs, reigning champs, former champs, uh, a team that I really like is Karen Crow. I think that Karen Crow has, I believe it's like 17 starters, 18 starters returning, something like that, maybe 16. Um, they have a lot of, of, of high-end um, talent. You know, you talk about Bailey Despani, a, a two-lane commit. You talk about Kendra Williams, a Cajun commit at running back. You know, um, you talk about Kavion Falk, uh, who, as I joked on Friday Night Football, uh, those folks in the in Acadiana in the area, uh, they know how to hold that name down, huh? Um, so they, they just have a lot of talent. Um, they have a lot of talent. And 4A is a tough class. Like, 4A probably more than any other class. 
uh, has these perennial powers that always meet up at the end. And you're talking about really three teams uh, recently making the championship game is Carr, Neville, and Warren Easton. Like, they're always there at the top. Like, you know, to be the best, you got to beat the best. Like, those are the best typically, and those are the teams you typically have to go through in 4A. But I think Karen Crow has a chance. I think Karen Crow has the infrastructure um, to, to be able to, to, to beat those teams. But, again, expect the unexpected. Uh, it just wouldn't surprise me if some random team comes out of nowhere and, and makes a run because, you know, 2020. <laughs> no question about it, man. Seth Lewis, our guest. Uh, 2020, we saw the Cajuns. We'll get Cajuns Tigers talk here. Uh, missing a slew of players, a lot of them starters, important players, missing guys on their two and three deep, get a wild walk-off win last Saturday. Uh, I'll ask you what I've asked everybody. Be honest. Where was your confidence level when Nate Snyder lined up to kick a 53-yarder, having uh, having struggled in his previous kicks this year? Where, what were you thinking when he stepped up? Were you like, he's going to nail it, or okay, all right, it's a two-and-one? Um. <clears throat> Expect unexpected. <laughs> go back I mean, to that like, line. There you go. Who know? Like you know what I mean? Like like who could predict that though? Right? Like somebody um, who you know obviously some of it may be just getting adjusted. You know, often when somebody misses a kick, we just automatically go to the kicker. But you know, there's a whole uh, sequence there. There's the holder. There's the snapper. There's the blocking. So like it might not all be on Nate Snyder, but when it comes to the stats, like it, it falls on him. You know, you, you see him and I, you know, 53 yard or no, 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 no. I, I, that's, you know, that's like, okay. It's like, okay. You know, maybe inside 50, you would write that in the, in the, in the story, but 53 yards, that, that sounds a little like, like if you saw that in a movie, you'd be like, yeah, right. <laughs> that's not, that's not how it happens in real life. But it happened, man, and um, I think it just speaks to um, the season that the Cajuns are having. Um, you know, they're 3-0. and They're a team that, you know, were ranked last week before the Big Ten and the Pac-12 uh, re-entered the, uh, the polls, which is another story. But, um, you know, and, and they're a team that I really believe hasn't played their best game yet. You know, like, I mean, you can – you can clearly see in all three games the areas where they can improve. And yet they sit 3-0, and and they sit 3-0 and against, in my opinion, three quality opponents. Iowa State, you know, clearing above when you talk about the Big 12. But even Georgia State and Georgia Southern being two teams that are not scrubs in the Sun Belt. And while we don't have to necessarily name scrubs in the Sun Belt, they ain't two of them, you know what I mean, uh, at least according to last year. Georgia State being a team that upset, upset Tennessee last year and Georgia Southern being the only team that beat App State last year. So, um, you know, it's three really quality wins. And, you know, now they go into a fourth very, very quality game uh, against App State, you know, in a, in a week. And, you know, that, that's going to that's gonna be very, very telling of uh of just how much of a special season this is. I mean it I guess maybe the result you you would love for them if you're a Cajuns fan to beat App State finally. Um but you know, 
that game is that game is here, and I know the Cajuns are, are pretty sick of of hearing about how many times they haven't beat <laughs> App State to this point. Can they do it, man? What is it going to take for them to to just get over that hump? Zero uh, and eight lifetime. I think if you've got um, both teams, it, let's let's say hypothetically, I mean it's a week from today, so we'll see what happens. But let's say they have the bulk of their roster available. I think the Cajuns match up better this year with App State than they have in years past. Um, looking forward to it. On the other hand, you got LSU, who uh, I remember Bo Pelini's first game as defensive coordinator for LSU the first time around. Back in 2005, game was played um, in, in Tempe against Arizona State, a game that was originally scheduled for Tiger Stadium. It gets moved because of Hurricane Katrina, and – it was just they, they got a win. Early Doucette hits like a catches a, a game winning pass on like a fourth down heave from Jamarcus Russell from like forty yards away. But the defense was just like what it, it was it was suspect, right? They were playing a lot of man principles, just really struggling. And then uh, they end up playing Tennessee on a Monday night. Again, another hurricane moves the game. So LSU's playing on a Monday night and they, they get a twenty one nothing lead. Then they end up losing twenty four twenty one. Everything just kind of fall. But <clears throat> they were just it, it wasn't it wasn't the best start for Bo Pelini as the defensive coordinator. And you know, I I I look at what happened on Saturday against <laughs> against uh Mississippi State and I'm like, man, what like what are you what are you doing? Uh like what you gotta adjust here. You can't keep playing the same man principle and they did, and 623 yards passing a single-game SEC record for K.J. Costello. Uh, you you got to adjust at some point, Seth, within game. They didn't. I know that uh, Coach O and Bo had some explanations. Both said they got to do better. Um, not the best start for LSU. When you win the turnover battle by three and you get a pick six and you still lose by ten, I don't know why all the focus – well, I'm sorry – I don't know why a lot of focus have been placed on Miles Brennan. I mean, he he wasn't spectacular, but he wasn't bad. He was also under duress. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know how you come out of that saying, boy, they got to fix the, the quarter. No, you got to fix the defense or it's going to be a long season. Yeah, I think – well, I was at the game, and uh, I swear that Joe Burrow was back in Tiger Stadium. He was just wearing number three for uh, <laughs> Mississippi State. Yeah. That's how KJ Costello looked at times, and he shouldn't have looked that good, right? Um, you brought up a lot of good points, though. You know, um, when it comes to Miles Brennan, you know, the things that troubled you the most about Miles Brennan is that uh, he held the ball too long at times. Like, you could see a wide receiver either open or was coming open, and he looked a little hesitant. And I don't know if that was maybe because he got hit a couple times earlier or what, but um, but he has to trust his arm, you know. Um, <clears throat> even, like, the interception – that he threw, um, his arm got hurt. I mean, got hurt, got hit. And, you know, that was a good play by the defense. And who knows, like, maybe if he lets it go a second earlier, then, I mean, the guy was wide open. Racing McMath was, was wide open for the, for the touchdown there. But it wasn't a terrible game. It just wasn't a great game. And, um, you know, people were so accustomed to what Joe Burrow did last year for LSU. And it's like, this is not Joe Burrow. And that's not a slight to Miles Brennan. Like, it's just to say, like, don't expect that. Like, that's not, it's not going to be as easy as it looked at times uh, last year. You can maybe reference the year before when it didn't look that easy 
for for Joe. And to be honest, if I had to predict it, I think that Miles Brennan's stats this year with two less regular season games will look better than Joe Burrow's stats from two years ago, personally. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. And then when it comes to um, the defense, it was twofold. One, you mentioned it, no adjustments. And it clearly what they were doing wasn't working. Um, now it's a question of, like, the things that you would want them to adjust for, did they practice for? <laughs> we, uh, you know, like, that's, you know, you wouldn't want to just put people in a position that is completely foreign to them, but, like, you would hope that they, you know, I, I saw people uh, asking for um, for Tampa 2 <laughs> uh, or, or something like that uh, or just some type of cover 2 um, or just just something where DBs were playing back just a little bit more um, and, and, and a little bit more help back there. But um, to me, when it comes to the defensive backs, and it's not the best comparison, but um, and I don't know if I've ever made it on this show or not, but like uh, I compared them to the Toronto Raptors a little bit. And what I mean by that is like the DBs, I think as the year goes on, you'll realize that the DBs are, are pretty good. Like I don't think they'll look that bad maybe ever again this year. We'll see. Uh, 623 yards is a lot. But I think what happened is, like, the Toronto Raptors this year was good, right? But you have guys playing out of position. Um, you know, you have a Pascal Siakam, who's the one of the set of the second option when Kawhi Leonard was there. And then you talk about Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, so on and so forth. Uh, I think Derek Stingley not being there, while I'm not saying that he erases 300 yards off the board. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is now your number two corner is your number one corner. He's, he's, uh, he's checking the best man. The guy that you have was supposed to be in the slot, now he's on the island. On the other side, you have a guy transferring in from Nichols uh, from two weeks ago. He wasn't supposed to play a lot of uh, snaps. All of a sudden, if he's not starting, he's playing significant um, minutes and snaps in that game. Uh, you talk about uh, another guy in Jay Ward who apparently wasn't even supposed to play in this game, I don't believe. But because of uh, whatever illness that Derek Stingley had, now he's thrust out on the field. And you're looking at it live, and you're like, man, these dudes are out of shape. These dudes are stumbling running. Like it's, like, it's almost unreal to see from an LSU defense. And then you get that explanation, and it's like, well, that makes a little bit more sense as to why they just look so – out of place and so because Jay Ward apparently was coming off of an injury like but it, it just started to make more sense just why they look so I don't know how to how to a better word is, except for like wobbly they just look some of them just looked a little wobbly and so I think when Derek Stingley comes back into the lineup those things get better I think that you know I heard people uh, mention the, the the pressures and I, I know they got some sack I wasn't really too impressed with the pressure that LSU was able to get on um, Mississippi State, I felt like Costello had a good bit of time to do his taxes back there. Uh, but I do know that uh, Allie Gay, uh, number 11 for, for LSU, their defensive end, uh, was pretty impressive. Like, he was somebody that was consistently um, uh, able to, to, to get back there. And then, you know, Jabril Cox, the North Dakota State transfer, you know, uh, he had the pick six. Uh, he was pretty impressive in that game. So I just think – I think things will fall more into place as the year goes on. And I think we talked about this too, but it was in reference to the NFL. You know, 
I don't know what you can believe in the first couple of weeks because everybody's progression is so different. You didn't have a preseason in the NFL. You didn't have spring ball in college football. Like these people are humans. Like they, like some of it's just not going to be right. You get some weeks in, I think you can get a better evaluation of, of how it is. Like you can't just panic off for one or two weeks because this year, these seasons are unlike any seasons that we've ever seen before. Yeah, I, I'm with you, dude. Like, the reason I brought up Bo Pelini's start in 2005 is because the defense obviously finished much stronger that year, and his last game as, as the D coordinator at LSU, they won a national championship in 2007. So it takes time, but, um, boy, they, they got Vanderbilt Saturday. <clears throat> They're a 20-point favorite. We'll see what happens a week after that. Hey, hey let, let, me, let me tell you this. If they look like that against Vanderbilt, I will give LSU fans uh, all reason to panic. You got it. <laughs> there you go. Seth Lewis, our guest, ESPN 1420.com. We're going to take a quick break, come back, hit on the Saints, and then NBA Finals, game one tonight, the Heat and the Lakers. Who's he rooting for? Who is his pick? We will have game one for you tonight on our airwaves pregame at 7.30, tip-off just after 8. It's the great Scott Show. Nick Underhill later this hour. Gerald Broussard as well. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420.com. Welcome back, everybody. It is the great Scott Show, the great sports callers open think tank, ESPN 1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. Seth Lewis still with us. Seth I'm going to talk a lot more Saints with Nick Underhill of New Orleans.Football in a little while. Um, but wanted to get your thoughts. You more worried. What, what is, just give me one. What's your top concern right now for the Saints after the one and two start? The secondary and the penalties. You know, that's, that's concerning a little bit. You know, I saw a stat on like Marshawn Lattimore that like, I think it was a PFF stat maybe that like right now, when targeted, like, uh, he has the worst uh, – he's given up the worst QBR, and it's, like, by far in the league. That's troubling when that's yeah. a guy that, you know, is going into his contract year and is somebody that you look at as a top five, top ten corner in the NFL. And I, I don't know – Marshawn has never been called a shutdown corner per se, but he's somebody that, that you can pretty much depend on on, on, on one side to um, handle his business. And so, uh, to me, that's probably the most um, troubling thing. You know, obviously, uh, Drew Brees and, you know, being able to get the ball downfield. Like, he's still, like, last night, or I should say Monday night, uh, Sunday night, was his most efficient game of the year. I believe he uh, completed 80% of his passes. Obviously, Alvin Kamara did a lot of that work, um, right, on, on the short passes, but... Um, Drew Brees' arm has never been the strongest. And it's not like he's been just like pushing it down the field uh, the last three, four, five years as far as like uh, bombs. I guess you know he's not he's not uh, he's not connecting on those Devry Henderson <laughs> throws like that uh, anymore. But uh, there is some concern there. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't want to say that you know like I, I I get it. You know, watching it, it is. It is a little bit jarring that, like, it doesn't seem like he's throwing it past 10 yards a whole lot. But uh, I think they can I think they can win that way. I don't even – I don't think uh, – I think having Michael Thomas helps. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that's the reason why they lost to Green Bay or to Las Vegas. And then, um, you know, I, I just think 
I think some of it is now we're getting around the point. Like I, I'm saying, like, hey, you know, it's hard to judge a team until you get about three, four games in. Well, we're three games in, so and it and it hasn't been a great ride uh, so far as far as the Saints go. So uh, I, I think, I, like I said, I think I'm more so concerned defensively, but you know the troubles or, or whatever's happened with Drew Brees, I think it's something to keep an eye on as things go forward. And it's just, it's almost even, it's like weird to like hear people say like, Hey, like, you know, like maybe they'll have to go to Jameis at some point or like, you know, maybe they should give Taysom a try. And it's like, and that's Drew Brees. That's a, that's a, that's a wild, that's a wild statement to make. But, um, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. Well, it is definitely something to uh, keep our eyes on. All right, we'll talk more Saints with Nick Underhill coming up in uh, in about twenty minutes. Seth, I want to talk some NBA basketball with you. The finals start tonight. The uh, Lakers are minus four hundred favorites at William Hill U.S. Sportsbooks. The Heat listed as plus three twenty underdogs. They are plus five tonight in Game One, uh, and uh, there's just. While there were some early bets on the Heat when they uh, released the NBA Finals odds uh, earlier this week, you know, the the Lakers have had money being put down on them for a long time. I mean, it began mounting back in June 2019 when uh, when Anthony Davis was traded there, and then there was speculation that Kawhi Leonard might go there. Of course, he didn't. So there's there's a lot of money on them. Either way, the sports books are going to make out fine. But there's, there's, just, there's a lot of storylines in this one. LeBron going up against... Uh, you know, a team he used to play for and won multiple championships with. The Heat, a team that many did not expect to be in the NBA Finals here. Uh, Jimmy Butler, who I, I, I really started to become a Jimmy Butler fan. I guess this was back in November or December. I heard an interview with him, and I was like, this dude is just, you talk about work ethic. I mean, as strong as it gets. I mean, he does not care. And and you know if you're not if you're not up for it then he's gonna call you out on it. That's what he did in Minnesota. That's what he did it in Philly. Some of his teammates didn't like him, so he goes to the perfect spot where you've got a couple of tough-minded veterans, but none who are like stars, right? So they're not gonna feel like okay, you're kind of infringing on my territory here. And then just a lot of like young, talented players. So. It, it, it was it was just I mean just perfect just perfect for Butler perfect for the Heat and now here they are in the finals an underdog again as they have been but they're twelve and three so far in the playoffs I would say Seth most years we would all agree the West much much tougher than the East but this was just such an odd year for multiple reasons and you can make an argument that you know the East and the path to get to the finals perhaps a little more difficult for Miami in terms of opponents then the Lakers, at this point, none of that matters. We're here. We're at the NBA Finals. I know you're excited. It's weird to have it going on amidst all the football and the MLB playoffs and the NHL playoffs just ending two days ago. But we're here, and I know you're into it. Who are you rooting for in this series, and ultimately who do you think wins it in how many games? Who I'm rooting for in this series, I don't, I've been trying to figure that out. I've probably – you know, I'll probably figure that out as the series goes on because uh, I was telling, I have a, I'm in a group chat with, um, it's a bunch of friends from college and um, a few of them, a good like three or four of the nine or 10 in there are Lakers fans. And so I was telling them that after the Clippers lost to the Nuggets, 
I was coming to grips with the fact that Anthony Davis might win a championship in his first year away from New Orleans. And, uh, you know, jokingly, uh, I was like, um, I'm like, man, I'm trying to figure out a way where when they win the championship, I can be happy for LeBron but still hate on, on Anthony Davis. Uh, obviously, whatever happens, uh, it, it'd be good for Anthony Davis as well. But, you know, sometimes you gotta you got to gotta let a little hate uh, seep in. So, uh, I was like, yeah, man, I'm trying to figure out how I can root and be happy for LeBron if he gets his fourth uh, and still find a way to hate on, on, on AD. That's weird. I, I will say on the rooting tip, um, it's hard to root for the Lakers because of Anthony Davis, um, because of uh, – it's not the fact that he wanted to leave. Like, And I, I think I can speak for most Pelicans fans in that, that it's not the fact that he wanted to leave. Like Everybody's pretty cool with that. It was kind of the way that it went down, and it's like I like it's Lakers and nobody else at first, and it's like whoa, like you know that that cripples, you know, um, the Pelicans. But um, but respect the fact that you know he, he wanted to go somewhere else, um, and then as my my family constantly reminds me of, like you know, like uh, I have uh, uh, like I have family members that still don't like J.R. Smith from his time. <laughs> With the New Orleans Hornets. Hornets. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, you you start going down the list. Like, I mean, you know, Boogie was on the team, obviously, at one time. Uh, Rondo was on the Pelicans, and and, and now he's uh, been on the Lakers for the last couple of years. So, it's like a, a few former faces uh, that almost helped him get to L.A. Uh, that, that, have, that have played for uh, – that are playing for that team. But I have the Lakers in six, uh, and – I'm just going to enjoy it, to be honest. Like, I really enjoyed Miami's run to this. I think when we talked about the NBA playoffs before it started, we even acknowledged that, like, somebody, there's going to be some sleepers. Like, you don't really see that that often in the, uh, in the NBA playoffs, but there's going to be some surprise teams emerge that, like, nobody saw coming because, like, like just who knows, like, what, like, what, what can happen. And, um, you know, you look at the Nuggets making it to the conference finals, even though they were the three seed. That was surprising. Nobody gave them a chance uh, against the Clippers. And then they were down 3-1 and somehow won three straight games against the Clippers. And then, um, you know, you talk about the Heat and, I guess, the the Celtics. uh, The Heat more than the Celtics, though, as far as a a surprise goes. So um, I've enjoyed Bam. Uh, I like Jimmy Butler, like what you said. I like his work ethic. Uh, and, and I've not intentionally followed him, but like when he went to Minnesota, Minnesota kind of became a, a team I, I wanted to follow a lot because I, I believed in the potential of him, Cat, and maybe even Wiggins getting his act together with Butler. That didn't happen. Then he goes to Philly. Philly is like my favorite team in the East, and that's probably because of Ben Simmons uh, and, and how much I enjoyed um, – his abilities as a basketball player, uh, along with Joel Embiid and what they have going. So when they got him and Tobias Harris, I'm like, man, this is this is really something cool. I was already following this team in the East, and now he's over there. And then that didn't work out. And um, to see him get a fit like that, and to see like guys like Duncan Robinson, he reminds me so much of JJ Redick. And no, it's not just because they're white shooters. <laughs> uh, you know, like they both have similar like releases. You know, like they can contort their bodies. Um, to get their shots off and still be square. Um, and, and there's not many guys in the NBA that can do that. And Duncan does it at a, at a really high clip. Uh, you know, you talk about um, Iggy 
you know, being in, I think it's what, six straight finals, five straight finals, something like that, going back this time uh, with the Warriors and Jay Crowder playing out of his mind. Tyler Harrow um, has, has been incredible for them. So um, it's been really, it's been really fun to, to, to watch them um, in the bubble and they play great team basketball. They're like a athletic Spurs. I don't know, but um, without, without the, the star power of the Spurs, I don't want to disrespect those Spurs, but um, ultimately, I have the Lakers in six, but, you know, if the Heat won, it wouldn't surprise me uh, because of how hard they play. Um, they're very much so, uh, um, if you were using football terms, they're a team that likes to run the ball, run the ball and play great defense. And, you know, the, the score, it may not have many blowouts, but uh, they'll be in most of their games. Um and I'm I'm just I'm I'm just excited for it in general. Like I'm I'm just gonna be watching as a fan of the NBA, and no matter who wins, uh, I'm gonna be happy for somebody uh, in the equation. So I, I'm just I'm just excited for it, man. Well, I'm rooting for the Heat, and I think the Lakers are gonna win. Yeah. Probably I, I got them in six games like you do, but uh, I don't know, man. You're, you're too wishy washy. There's got to be a team you're rooting for. I mean. Did, are the friends on your text thread are they ever annoying with you know being that they're Laker fans? I mean, I probably will lean Heat if you if you want me to pick a, like a a fifty two forty eight. I won't even give you fifty one forty nine. Come on now, a fifty two forty eight. I give you <laughs> I give you Heat. Um, uh, a former um, reporter of ours at, at KETC, uh, Danielle Garcia was a was a Heat fan and um, or is a Heat fan I should say because she's from Miami. Uh, so you know, I I like that for for her and and their fan base. But uh, I mean, look, I love LeBron. You know, like I I really love what LeBron's been able to do on the court and off the court too. But like, I mean, this dude has been incredible. And I heard Michael Smith make a great comparison um, yesterday, saying that like he's done LeBron's done a great job of separating himself from Michael Jordan but not in the way that you might think, like not in the blasphemous way of like, no, Michael Jordan's the best. It's like, no, like, um, to, he kind of compared, like, let's say Michael Jordan is Michael Jackson and LeBron is Prince. Like now a lot of people prefer Michael Jackson, but there's some people that you talk to that would say Prince is a better artist than Michael Jackson, but that's based on preference. It's not based on the fact that both of them weren't the best at what they do. And um, and I think a fourth championship in a third place, especially if you talk about finals MVP, which I think if the Lakers win, I would think that that probably leads towards AD being the finals MVP because he's the biggest mismatch uh, on the court, um, even though Bam, I think, can guard him pretty well. Um, but, you know, you're talking about potentially a third finals MVP in a third place uh a championship in a third place, something that uh, no one of his stature has ever done before. And so, um, you know, I, hey, look, man, I, 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 that's, that's why I guess that's where the confliction is. It's LeBron, but then it's also, I like a lot of the people on the heat and then I'm not really favorable of AD getting his way and, and getting a championship uh, a year later. But I, I can admit that that's just me being a hater. <laughs> Seth Lewis, our guest at Seth Lewis INC at Seth Lewis Inc. on Twitter. Check him out over at KTC TV3. He 
um, Brianna, Andrew, they all do just a great job over there. And uh, Seth, anything you want to add before we let you run? You, 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 get, you plan on digging into these Major League Baseball playoffs a little bit, or is there just too much sports right now for you to take it all in? Oh, for certain. Definitely digging into the um, into the playoffs. But, you know, to what you mentioned, obviously um, week one of Friday Night Football is coming up this week. It'll, it'll, it'll be here in a couple of days. So uh, make sure to, to tune in to us, Andrew, myself, Brianna. Um, you know, we're going to have a really good show. Um, and, and we hope to be able to showcase the talent in this area and, uh, uh, and the games in this area as, as, as best as possible. Uh, but we're excited, man. I, I think, um, I think this, this may be our best Friday night football yet. And that's saying a lot because, you know, things are just going to be so unpredictable as this year goes on, but we're really excited to, to get back working on that show. That's, uh, that's been so, um, fun for us. Well, I'll be watching, man. And, uh, certainly a fan of you guys enjoy what y'all do over there at KTC TV3. Always enjoy uh, talking sports with you, man. Uh, all the best to your family. Tell your dad I said hi. I know he's going to be tuned into the finals. Uh, if anyone can't see Game 1 tonight on TV, on ABC, you can hear it. ESPN 1420.com in the app. Pre-game at 7.30. Tip-off at 8. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to shift gears, talk a lot of New Orleans Saints football next. I think he is the best when it comes to uh, breaking down the Saints, whether it be inside the organization when it comes to breaking news stuff in the locker room behind closed doors or the film study the review the breakdowns nick underhill is going to join me right after this on the great scott show you don't want to miss it comes your way right after this it's espn 1420 espn 1420.com and the espn 1420 app